Good afternoon and a happy start to your week, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 96.5, the Joe Cunningham Show. Glad to be with y'all today until 4 o'clock. And you get some bonus time with me today. I will be sticking around for the first hour of Offsides with Brandon Como after this show is over, so be sure to tune in on that. If you're listening to the podcast version, go online and find the Offsides podcast, and you'll be able to catch that episode there as well. 232-1542 if you want to take part in the conversation or if you just want to scream inaudibly for 10 to 15 seconds because you're stopping at the gas pump today. Here's the numbers. The average in Lafayette, according to AAA, is so $3.92 per gallon in Lafayette. The Louisiana average, $3.87. The U.S. average is $4.07. To put it in perspective, last week, the the Louisiana average was $3.37. How nice. A year ago, though, this is where you can tell that this is an administrative thing. A year ago, the Louisiana average was $2.47. So we are now up a f- well over a dollar in the average price of gas per gallon here in Louisiana. And it's not getting any better. By the way, if you or somebody you love lives in Allen Parish, you are seeing the highest averages in the state at $4.09 per gallon. That is the average for Allen Parish, the highest average in the state. And this is a continuing energy crisis. And our administration, the Biden administration, in its infinite wisdom, is looking around and they have decided that we need to talk to the Saudis, Iran, and Venezuela. Now, I will say this in the Biden administration's defense. We should be on friendly terms with Saudi Arabia. And it's interesting because Biden, the the reports are, Biden doesn't like the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Biden will not call the, will, will not answer a call from the guy, will not call the guy, will not reach out to him. He does not like the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, probably in part because of the assassination of the journalist uh, Khashoggi, uh, I think worked with the Washington Post. I think Biden, along with the left, uh, blames the Saudi prince as an oppressive authoritarian type who kills journalists. And But he won't talk to the guy. But Saudi Arabia, of those three nations, is the one that is most likely to be a potential ally of ours. And as I mentioned to you last week, he had the crown prince has uh, talked up the idea of Israel and Saudi Arabia being more than just potential allies, perhaps even being friends down the road. And Saudi Arabia was one of the most hardline countries against the existence of Israel. But Saudi Arabia realizes something. And this is where the Biden administration's tactics are becoming a problem. Saudi Arabia sees Israel as a potential ally against the destabilizing existence of Iran and its government. Iran is a destabilizing force in the Middle East. And several Middle Eastern countries are seeing that Israel can be a deterrent and that the U.S., which backs Israel, can be a deterrent to Iran. And so Saudi Arabia, other Middle Eastern nations all look and say, okay, let's sign the Abraham Accords that Donald Trump was pushing while he was president. One of the best foreign policy things that has come out of the U.S. in several years, and it happened under the Trump administration. But Saudi Arabia sees the U.S. and Israel 
as potential allies to stop this destabilizing regime in Iran. But the Biden administration is considering sending Biden overseas to Saudi Arabia and essentially on hands and knees say, hey, look, I know I've been a bad friend. Let's, you know, let's make up with this. And hey, by the way, can you uh, can you produce more oil for us? At the same time, I mentioned last week, the left and the Biden administration look at buying oil from Iran as a possible way of replacing what we're getting from Russia. And it's clear that what we're getting from Russia has been slowing down because gas prices are going up. Uh, crude oil futures are not looking good. We're, we're continuing to see the prices spike. And the Biden administration is also looking at Venezuela. Venezuela being led by a, a dictator in Maduro, who uh, several Republican senators kind of led by Marco Rubio in that uh, regard, has been calling a, a vicious dictator in Venezuela. And we have a lot of economic sanctions on Venezuela because it's not a really well-run country. Certainly not a democratic country. Certainly not a country that we, we really want to be in bed with with the current regime. But the Biden administration wants to look to Venezuela and their oil-producing capabilities. Please note that the Biden administration talks a lot about environmentalism and climate change and how we need to wean ourselves off of oil. But they still want to buy it from somewhere else. They just don't want us producing it because it's not exactly about the environment. It is partially about that and their fears based on charts that have never proven true. But also, it's based on the idea that domestic energy production equals more capitalism and a lot of the progressives feel like unfettered, unrestricted capitalism that is allowed to grow thanks to our energy sector is inherently bad and we need to limit it. I told you guys before, the green movement is a watermelon movement. They are green on the outside, but they are deep, deep Russian flag red on the inside. And that is what's happening here. 232-1542, going to jump into a break a little bit early. Your calls, to uh, if you want to call in, take part in the conversation, or like I said, just scream about the uh, about the gas prices out there. I'm going to scream about them when I have to stop and get gas a little later today. But all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show, 232-1542 here on KPL 96.5. If you want to join in the conversation, feel free to call in. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And you can also listen to the podcast version of the show. I alluded to it earlier. If you go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. If you're not a podcast listener, but you don't get a chance to listen to talk radio during the day and catch our wonderful shows, I can tell you that not only am I on there, but Acadiana's Morning News, Moon Graffon, Offsides, we're all on there. So you need to make sure that you go and subscribe to those so you can listen to any of the great KPL content at any point in the day. Now, the left struggles with the concept of supply and demand, I think. Uh, Representative Pramila Jayapal, who is a representative of... Uh, from Washington, 7th District in Washington, 
was basically asked about the oil crisis, the oil and gas crisis, the energy crisis here in the United States. And she is arguing that ramping up oil, she said this on MSNBC, ramping up oil production won't do anything. Her quote, no matter what we do, the price of gas, the prices of gas are going to go up. Well, actually, the laws of supply and demand are pretty clear on this. The more supply there is, the more the price goes down. The lower the supply, the higher the, the demand, the more the price goes up. The problem is the United States was a net exporter of energy. We were energy independent prior to the Biden administration coming in. And the Biden administration came in and slashed our production capabilities. And here we are in an energy crisis. We went from importing, I think, 3% of our oil imports uh, came from Russia. And then last year, it ramped up to about 6.5%. And now, according to Jen Psaki the other day on, uh, at a press conference, it's now around 10%. 10% of our oil imports come from Russia. And there is a crisis in Russia. And Russia is now facing a ton of sanctions. Yet the United States still will not jump on board with sanctioning the energy exports of Russia. It is crazy. Uh, you had ABC's Jonathan Carl on ABC This Week uh, was saying that Biden's refusal to sanction Russia's oil and gas industry is extraordinary. He actually said to sanction everything but the thing that drives their economy, that's, extra that's extraordinary. And he's absolutely right. This is a major, major energy crisis. The price of oil surged over the weekend. Renewed speculation of Russian oil no longer flowing to the United States pushed oil to about $140 a barrel, a metric not seen since 2008. It briefly dipped to $20 a barrel at the peak of COVID in 2020. The weird part about this is that sanctions for Russia's energy are not in place yet, and the Biden administration has been extremely hesitant to even say that it's on the table. Yet here we are. The national average is at $4.07 a gallon. Oil traders are now speculating that we could see as high as $200 a barrel. Meanwhile, the U.S. wants to tap Venezuela as a possible replacement and is eyeing sending Biden to Saudi Arabia. It's also making inflation fears worse. Now, if you were a fan of Star Trek, you know who George Takei is. Uh, he is also very passionately liberal and has been quite the internet commentator and actually today suggested that Americans should just suck up higher gas and food prices in order to really turn the screws on Vladimir Putin. And to be very, to be as fair as possible to the former Sulu actor of Star Trek, in a vacuum, that is actually a really good point. I said the same thing last week. I said if you put it to a poll of Americans, you could probably find a decent amount of support from Americans you know, paying higher in gas prices in order to cut Putin off of gas income, oil and gas income. 
The problem is that this isn't happening in a vacuum. Americans over the last year have seen inflation go up, supply chain shortages, energy prices go up. They are having to spend more despite the and, and that the how much they're spending is outpacing any wage increase that they might be getting. And the wages aren't jumping up that high. They they started to spike there for a while, but it's leveled out, but inflation's kept going. We are in an economic crisis. Inflation is now potentially going to be worse because of all this. But what is the White House worried about today? They are worried about Florida's Surgeon General. Florida's Surgeon General, Republican, a black man, a doctor who went to Harvard, said, disagreeing with the White House and the CDC, that no, you don't need to rush out and get your kids vaccinated for COVID. And the White House today, Jen Psaki was asked about it, and she went on a tangent about this politician in Florida peddling conspiracy theories, dismissing him as a doctor who went to Harvard, who is the Surgeon General of Florida, completely dismissing his medical opinion as somebody whose job is to look at these things. The White House is so focused on maintaining its talking points that it's not looking at the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is and has always been that kids are nowhere near as susceptible to COVID-19 as older Americans. And there are worries about the effect of COVID-19 on kids. And so the Flor- and so Florida Surgeon General is saying, no, we're not going to make it a mandate. We're not going to make it a requirement that you go out and vaccinate your kids. It's untested. It's un- we're unsure of this. And the White House has lost its mind on it. But while all this is going on, have you noticed something? I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but now it's I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the case. Joe, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Anthony Fauci is missing. He is nowhere to be found. If anybody knows where Anthony Fauci is, please call missing people, call missing persons and let them know because he has been all over the place. He was all over the place all during this pandemic, getting as much of that spotlight as he could. And then at one point, he said, Yes, you should still be wearing masks at the same time that the Democrats pollsters were all saying masking is a losing issue and Democrat politicians started walking away from masking. And all of a sudden, Anthony Fauci disappeared and he's been nowhere. We have no idea where Fauci is. Frankly, I'm concerned for the man. He's got a family. Somebody please find him and return him to his people. Let's put his face on the side of a milk carton. Do we still do that? (laughs) At this point, we're just throwing ideas against the wall to see what sticks. But the Biden administration is focusing on all the wrong things. They're focusing on where where else can we get oil from, not domestically. 
Let's spend time focusing on Florida's Surgeon General. Let's try to convince everyone that things are actually okay. Let's make a push for Build Back Better, something that's dead in the water in the Senate. Let's make a push for the Green New Deal, something that's dead in the water in the Senate. Let's push for all these things except for real, uh, everything except for a real solution. There is no real solution there. I want to talk about this when we come back for a little bit at least. The Biden administration is all tactics and no strategy. Have you noticed that? They are constantly responding. They are constantly reacting, primarily to polling. And they're just throwing one idea out after another. And their ideas are not helping. There is no general strategy. If you watch the Biden administration, all of a sudden it becomes very clear. They don't have a plan. They do not have a plan. Everything they threw out there has failed and has actually made things worse in many cases. There is no plan for fixing it. There are just ideas that are being thrown out and tested in real time, and none of them are working. 232-1542, we are going to take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, a little bit more on that. And here in Louisiana, it looks like we could be poised. We could be poised to fund students instead of schools. We'll talk about that here after this news break on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. Before we jump back to it, did you guys watch UL beat Troy last night? Because if you didn't, you missed a great game. UL, I think, is peaking at exactly the right time. They uh, they have been on a they they've won what one, two, three, four, five, six of their last seven. They're playing Georgia State tonight for the Sun Belt Championship, uh, and they are the, the 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 ball movement, the defense, everything is looking really good. I especially liked watching. I'm, I'm a defensive guy for my years of coaching. I loved uh, working with defenses. I enjoyed watching UL's defense last night. Very disciplined defense. They were doing a lot of things right. And they will play Georgia State tonight. Now, the last time they played Georgia State, they dropped that one. But now they are poised. I think, I think Ian was telling me, I saw Ian here earlier. I think Ian was telling me they're the favorite going into tonight. UL is on a nice little streak. And they they are, like I said, peaking at exactly the right time. So I'm very excited to watch that game tonight. Uh, pulling for the Cajuns, obviously. But just in general, it, I think it promises to be a really good basketball game regardless. So uh, keeping my eye on that one. Joe, don't forget to mention that the game will be here live on News Talk 96.5 Cape Hill. That's true. Thank you, Mark. I see. I'm getting used to that. The game will be here live. Uh, Jay will be care- will uh, be calling the game. You can hear it here on KPL. It's going to be a good one. I highly recommend that you tune in. Now, an interesting bit of foreign policy news. I I don't know how much to actually read into it, but it is. I'm not the only one speculating on. It. I saw a lot of folks who know a lot more than I do speculating it on it today. Russia released 
a list of unfriendly countries today, countries that have been critical of their invasion. But here's the thing. On that list of countries, and I'm emphasizing the word countries because of this, on that list of countries is Taiwan. Russia, in currying favor with the Chinese, because again, the Russians and the Chinese both realize that in order to counteract a U.S. dominant world, they need to be aligned and pushing back against that Western influence. Russia actually signed on with solidarity to the one China policy, the idea that Taiwan is not a country, but it's you know basically a rogue state. And, and putting them on a list of unfriendly countries ostensibly looks like a condemnation of Taiwan. But, they are rec- but the Russians are recognizing Taiwan as a country. Is that a jab at the Chinese who, at the beginning of Putin's war, came out and said, nah, I think you shouldn't be doing this, guys? Russia's feeling the pressure from all over the world. And it's going to be pretty disastrous for Russia if they can't wrap this up soon and with something that looks like a pretty solid victory. Because right now, the, vic- if, the victory looks at best Pyrrhic. It looks like the type of victory that you really don't win anything except the right to say that you won it. You, you don't look like you're getting much out of it. The Russian forces are struggling. Russia itself, their economy is tanking. Not just from the sanctions, mind you. It started tanking the moment they, cl- they declared this war. And it's been getting worse with the sanctions. And if the U.S. and the West move on uh, with, um, with energy sanctions, then Russia is really up that creek. But we'll see how the West continues to treat Russia's energy exports. The Biden administration, as I mentioned, is having problems determining, coming up with a strategy here. They, they, they have a bunch of tactics, but no strategy. The problem with Russia, the problem with the war in Ukraine, the problem with the economy, all of it is that the Biden administration does not seem to be led by adults. They are being led by really very naive young millennial types in many cases who are more focused on the activism and the ideology rather than the practical and learning from mistakes. As a result, the Biden administration is continuing to make misstep after misstep and completely misreading the lay of the land. And when you look at it, when you see all of the polling, when you see every issue suddenly making things worse, the only conclusion that you can come to is that the Biden administration has no strategy here. And I don't know if there's a strategy for them going forward, if they can come up with one to to fix things. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. We've got Stephen on the line. Stephen, how are you this afternoon? I'm just getting off of work, so as about as good as you can get. Amen. Uh, um, it's just a not even a statement, but more of a quick question for yourself and everyone listening. Am I the only one to see the irony in that it took a Russian dictator and not 
the leader of the United States to truly unify the world. That is a pretty good point. That is pretty ironic. And, and the fact that it's it's kind of funny in that not just the but it, here in the United States, you know, you find a lot of folks who are all in on we have to do something to help Ukraine. It just seems to be people in government and and some very fringe groups out there who are kind of against the idea of doing everything we can to to stop Russia. But yeah, the world is united against Vladimir Putin, against a Russian dictator, against a remnant of the Soviet regime. That is a very good point, Stephen. Right, and, and that was all I had. It was just that simple question is that I can't possibly be the only one to recognize that. No, no, you're not. You're not, and it is kind of funny. Um, and again, I think it's really kind of funny that the United States has been unified thanks to Vladimir Putin, who we were told for years was going, was setting out to divide and destroy the United States. And here we are all united against him. Stephen, thank you very much for the call. 232-1542. If anyone else wants to join in the conversation before we go to a break, we got a a little over a minute um, and I'll go a little bit long in this one. From CNN's Harry Enten. Harry Enten, by the way, is a fantastic analyst. Please don't hold the fact that he's with CNN against him. Harry Enten is a fantastic data analyst. Democrats' problems with Hispanic voters isn't going away as GOP gains seem to be solidifying. This is at CNN.com. The Democratic Party's early 2000s dream of an emerging majority based on a diversifying electorate has run into reality. The Democrats lost the 2016 presidential election, and they barely won in 2020. Part of their problem was declining support among white voters. But the 2020 election also pointed to another problem. Hispanic voters, who are growing as a portion of the electorate, moving toward the Republican Party. Recent polling, and now this week's Texas primaries, show that these Republican gains don't seem to be going away anytime soon. Texas is a heavily Hispanic state relative to the country as a whole. There are 16 counties in Texas where Hispanics make up at least 80% of the citizen voting population age, according to the latest available data from the Census Bureau. The county with the highest percentage of Hispanic adult citizens, Star County, backed now President Joe Biden by five points in 2020 after voting for Hillary Clinton by 60 points four years earlier. That's not a misprint, he adds, that it really was a 55-point swing. Republicans scheduled primary, I'm sorry, regularly scheduled primaries, of course, don't feature a Democratic candidate versus a Republican candidate. We can, however, look at the relative turnout between the Democratic and Republican primaries. This is instructive in Texas, where voters don't register by party and can choose which party's primary to vote in. All told, 27% of Texans who voted Tuesday in the 16 most Hispanic counties cast a ballot in the Republican primary. This may not seem like a lot, but consider that in 2018, just 15% of those who voted in either the Democratic or Republican Party cast a ballot on the Republican side. So that is a 12-point swing. More Hispanic voters are voting in in Republican primaries in Texas. That is a big swing. 232-1542. When we come back, school choice in Louisiana taking another interesting turn as we look at funding students and their families rather than schools. 232-1542 if you want to join in when we come back after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Let's jump to the phones real quick. We've got Gina on the line. Gina, how are you this afternoon? Fine. What's your question? I'm just wondering, uh, kind of a thought, is it possible that Biden is not putting oil sanctions on Putin because Putin has names that he can start naming of people he dealt with he shouldn't have? That that could be the case. Um, I, I part of it is well, part of it could be that I tend to think just based on how the Biden administration has been acting, that they are looking at the the economic polling. They they, they are really being they are really governing based on polls, and they are so terrified of another spike in price. I mean, we're already getting it, but they are so terrified of causing an even bigger spike by just shutting off uh, Russian oil coming to the United States that uh, that they, they are trying to do whatever they can to ease whatever spikes are coming. I really think that they are governing more, more based on how few people can we make mad rather than what any, any dirt or anything that Putin or anybody uh, in that part of the world has on them, really, really and truly. Um, it, it could very well be the case. I'm, I'm not sure that we're making the decisions based on that. It could be. I really do think it's based on the polling, honestly. I think that they are truly just governing via polling by now. Yeah. Okay, then. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for the call in 232-1542. If anybody else wants to jump in. Here in Louisiana, though, legislative session starting. There is good news. If you are a school choice advocate like I am, we have for possibly a fifth bill that would promote school choice in Louisiana in probably one of the best ways, and that is through education savings accounts. There are four bills currently out there, and I think a fifth one is being worked on, according to the advocate. But these would create education savings accounts for certain groups of students. The fifth one being worked on is one that would just create it for every student. But you have uh, Philip de Villiers' bill, House Bill 33, which would create an education savings account for children who have tried to transfer from low-performing public schools, students with one or more parents in the military, or those in foster care. You have State Representatives Mark Wright of Covington and Rhonda Butler of Ville Platte. They have filed proposals that would allow the accounts for special needs children. That's House Bill 227 and House Bill 194. You have... uh, Representative Barbara Freiberg of Baton Rouge filed an education savings account measure, House Bill 452, that would apply to children who have been targeted for bullying. And Sharon Hewitt of Seidel, in the only Senate bill out there, wants to allow the accounts for children who are reading below grade level. All four of those are fantastic ideas. And this would really, really do a lot of good in the state of Louisiana, particularly in low-income areas. And this would be a boon to the Legislative Black Caucus. They can join in. They can do a lot of good work in their communities by helping out low-income black students who are struggling in their public schools. It's an issue, actually, when you look at the demographics of it, getting kids access to choice is pretty much a multiracial and bipartisan proposal. 
the only groups that are really very adamantly opposed to it are the teachers unions. The teachers unions do not like any proposal that shifts money out of the hands of the districts. Now, this proposal doesn't defund education, as some opponents would claim. This, this proposal, what it does is the money still goes to schools in the system, but only the schools where these parents want to send their kids. And it kind of evens the playing field as far as, as far as private institutions go. It can help offset tuition. But if you have students and they go to a particular school and that school is not performing, then what you can do is you can get those schools. You, you can get the kids moved to different schools. They can have the money. The money goes to those education savings accounts and it follows to it follows the kid to whatever school they go to. So it strips funding from one school that is not performing and gives it to the school that is performing. It's like helping to reinsert competition into education. There are two proposals that I have, and, I, and we've got a caller on the line. I want to jump to them in just a second. But before there, there are two proposals I want the legislature to work on while they're working on this, because these are two issues that need to be addressed. The first, a bill that would allow students who live within a certain distance of their parish border to have the option to go to a neighboring district. Because if there's no local school that meets their needs, but there's one just across the parish line, they should be able to go to that. The second is more funding for transportation because you need extra transportation funding to make shuffling these kids around their parishes more feasible. Jumping to the phone lines real quick, we've got Renee on the line. Renee, how are you this afternoon? Yeah, I was just pondering, you know, uh, uh, green energy has so much power in the world. It may have uh, the underpinnings of uh, communist socialism at, at its ultimate power, giving it all this power. Why can't the all North America get together, make their own version of OPEC, or join OPEC so we could put pressure on the U.N., to legitimize fossil fuel and stimulate the economy. And the hell with this California Care Bear communist green energy. I just want you to know that California Care Bear is probably my new favorite phrase. But the, the problem is OPEC, the, the first two letters are the problem, oil producing. And here in America, those, those folks are not being allowed to produce. They will not be able to have a whole lot of influence and power because the Biden administration has made it so cost prohibitive to produce on American land and American leases. That's what the, the, the Biden administration is out there. Jen Psaki's out there. Whenever she's asked a question, says, well, we have all these leases and the companies aren't producing on them. Well, the companies aren't producing on them because the Biden administration has made it so cost prohibitive to be able to produce on them. They're not even bothering at this point. But and, what if we could use the U.N. to get to them? Because the U.N. is in the back pocket of the environmental groups. And there's I'm not sure. It, again, it's more ideological than anything else at this point. You, you can't really, you, you can't really do that. Uh, Renee, thank you very much for the call. We're going to have to wrap it up. Thank you guys very much for listening. By the way, if you want to take part in the conversation online, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe P Cunningham. You can check me out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham show. And as always check out the podcast version of the show. We're going to take a break. I'm sticking around, but Offsides is next. I'll be joining Brandon here in the 4 o'clock hour, and we will have so much more to talk about right here on KPEL 96.5.